the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So this morning, the message is abide, to abide. Our text is taken from John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8. Jesus said, I am the, the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. The word abide is the, the verb menine, uh, which is used 112 times in, in the Gospel of John, and, in, in the Gospel, and 40 times in the Gospel of John, and another 26 times in uh, the epistles of the same author, John, uh, which means, the word abide means to endure or remain unchanged. And it speaks primarily of the character of God and of Jesus. Jesus is unchanging. That's what it means when the Bible says that Jesus abides in us. He is unchanging. It is used by John to also refer to our relationship with Jesus. As Jesus had an abiding relationship with the Father, Jesus has an abiding relationship with all of us who are his followers. This is a mutual indwelling, something that stays. The more we abide in Jesus, the more his life, his love, and his leading are made manifest in our lives. And as you read uh, the text this morning, the word abide was used just in these three verses eight times, and it's connected to the word fruitfulness. So I love it because the Scriptures preaches itself. It doesn't take much to go ahead and, and, and talk about what it says because it says, his, says it right there. Now, Jesus initiates the abiding relationship because He's the vine, but we are responsible for abiding in Him because we are the branches. We are to abide in that relationship. Again 
It's a mutual indwelling, a mutual abiding. If you abide in me, Jesus said, and my words abide in you, then you will bear much fruit. What fruit is Jesus talking about here? Okay, there are four fruits of the indwelling presence of Jesus in our lives. I'm going to say all four things this morning, and then we're going to uh, talk about each one of them. Okay, the four fruits of Jesus' abiding presence in our lives is a heart that is reformed, a reformed heart, a hearing that is refined, a refined hearing of the word, a humble righteousness, and a hope rewarded. These are the ultimate expression of our relationship with Jesus. This is what it means to bear the fruit of discipleship, of being a follower of Jesus. This is what it means to live in the gap. Now, what are you talking about living in the gap? To live in the gap for a Christian means to live the way God intended for us to live between the time we are born again and the time we go to heaven. After you became a follower of Jesus, the rest of your life, the rest of my life, will now be lived out in that gap. Okay, the old life is gone, the new life has come, and we're now called to live that life after the new birth all the way to eternity when Jesus comes or when we die and go to heaven. So you will hear that repeatedly in, in these uh, messages because I want to emphasize the fact that after you and I became Christians, hey, the preoccupation of life is to live within that gap. And we need to know how to live it. Amen? We need to know how to live as Christians between the time we became Christians and the time we go to heaven, okay? Now, it's not the length of time. It's not the length of the gap that matters to God. It's the fruitfulness of the life lived out. We don't know how long we're going to live in this world. The important thing is that we are born again and that that life, that new life that we have is lived out according to the will of God, according to the dictates of God's Word. And so it's very important for us as Christians to understand this. Okay? Uh, this is Christianity 101. And like I said, I, I, I said before, I mean, I can't take any chances. We need to always focus on what it is that we're living for as followers of Jesus. So let's take a look at these four things. The fruits of abiding in Christ, first of all, is a heart that is willing to be reformed. There is a regeneration that happens. When we abide in Christ, we are ready for that reformation in our lives. The moment you come to faith in Jesus, get ready to be reformed. And the willingness that we have to be reformed is the first sign of our abiding relationship with Jesus. Every follower of Jesus has that willingness to be transformed in the heart. And it is a process. We call it the sanctification process process. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. Jesus says, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, let me say in the outset, this has nothing to do with God, with Jesus getting rid of people, of Christians who are not 
bearing fruit. This has not, nothing to do with us being cut off as God's children. This has everything to do with what's inside our heart. What is being cut off is that unwillingness to be transformed in the inside, okay? So I want to make that very clear. This has nothing to do with, oh, you know, you're not being fruitful, uh, therefore God is going to exclude you. That, n nonsense, okay? This is talking about our relationship with Jesus and how we can know that His abiding presence is bearing fruit. This is how we know that we are bearing the fruit of our obedience, our indwelling relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The first fruit of Christ's abiding presence is that willingness on our part to be reformed in the inside. God cuts off everything that prevents us from advancing in our faith walk. And when it comes to our relationship with God and when it comes to our relationship with each other and when it comes to our relationship with the world, this is the activity of the Holy Spirit in our life. And how do we know that our heart is being reformed? How do we know that our heart is being regenerated? Well, you and I no longer have too much faith in ourselves. That's the first sign that you know that your heart is getting reformed. Okay? You're less and less focused on your faith in yourselves. The focus now is our faith in God. And it's important for us to, to see that. You know, I used to believe that I'm, uh, I was good enough as a person uh, to be saved. You know, even, even when I came to know the Lord, the first couple of years of my life, you know, I struggled with, with that one thing that many people struggle with. And I struggle with that thing called self-righteousness, okay? I thought I was good enough. How can God possibly not take me to heaven when I'm such an ethical person? I'm a good enough person. I don't, I haven't killed anybody. I don't cheat my neighbors. I've done all of these wonderful things. I even help the poor. I mean, how can God possibly disqualify me to heaven? Then I realized that's just putting faith in my own goodness. That just shows that my heart needs to be transformed, okay? Because once our hearts are transformed, the focus of our faith is Jesus. The focus of our trust, of our trust is Jesus. The first thing that God cuts off is that self-righteousness. Our tendency to say, I'm good enough or I can do this on my own. And I'm not saying you shouldn't believe in yourself. I'm not saying you shouldn't have self-confidence. We need that in life. I'm not saying you shouldn't have self-determination. That, that's good to have. But when it comes to the things that are inside our hearts, we could never ever say that we that our focus of our, our faith is our own righteousness. And what God does is He begins to cut away those things. He begins to deal with the pride that we have. And sometimes God's pruning process to get us to humble ourselves, sometimes it's a difficult process. Sometimes we have to go through some very difficult things in life so that God can get rid of that self-righteousness, that self-sufficiency. God doesn't want us to be self-sufficient. He wants us to rely on His grace. And if you say that to the world, they're going to think you're a loser 
for, for depending so much on God. But as, as God regenerates us, as God reforms our heart, we begin to realize that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. And we cannot bear the fruit of the Christian life that Jesus commanded for us to produce. So he cuts off self-righteousness. We are being pruned when we can truly say we obey God's laws because we love God. It's that simple. It has nothing to do with anything else. But the things that we do, we do out of our love and honor of God. He replaces that self-induced goodness with genuine love for Him. And that's part of that pruning process. Why do you stop at a, at a deserted intersection at 3 o'clock in the morning when no one's looking and the light is red? Why do you stop? Do you stop because you're afraid to be caught? Do you stop because your conscience tells you you have to be an upstanding citizen? Is that the motivation why you, you, you stop in the middle of the night when no one's looking? Or do you even stop at all when there's no one looking? The point that I'm making is this. The things that we do, we don't do for any other motivation. We do it because our heart is being transformed. When we obey the law of God, when we do the things that are righteous, when we stand or, or, or exhibit that righteousness, we're not doing it out of fear. We're not doing it out of to, to be viewed as good people. We're doing it because God has worked in our lives and we truly do it for the love of God. Okay? That's how you know. The motivation of the heart changes. It's no longer, you know, I, 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 you know, I got to do this. I, you know, I can't laugh at that joke in the office because, you know, God might punish me for hanging around and, and, and enjoying these things. We don't, we don't have that motivation. Or I don't, I don't participate in activity. I don't do this thing. I don't do that thing. We don't do those things out of fear or out of, uh, you know, uh, a sense of guilt. We do them because we truly love and honor the name of God. And that's how we know that our hearts are being transformed. When we can truly obey God's law, and God's word out of genuine love for God. The motivation and the intent of the heart is being transformed by God. Okay? Only God can do that. Only God can transform that. And I, and I know I say it all the time, but I think we need to continue hearing it. Okay? The regeneration of a person's heart cannot be accomplished by how much education we have. Cannot be accomplished through education, not through social reform. And I'm not against these things. It cannot be transformed by any kind of scientific method or, or technological advancement. Only God can transform the human heart and make it stay that way and have a lasting transformation in our lives. Only God can do that. And you know what? The things that we see in the world today, how people try to come up with ethical standards, try to come up with the right way and the wrong way or whatnot, and we, we get all of this information about how we ought to do things in this day and age. Listen, there's only one way to do it, the right way, through the righteousness of God in Christ. He's the only one that can transform that heart. And you know it, and I know it, when we came to faith in Jesus. He began a good work. What good work? The pruning of each and every one of our 
hearts. And that, that transformation process, that reformation process, that regeneration process is often difficult. God takes us through the fire. When something is getting cut from you and I, it's a difficult thing to go through. But that's part of changing us from the inside. It's a process. It takes time. It takes a, it, 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 we have to endure some pain. Uh, many of us have had years and years and years of self-righteousness. And when God reveals to us His righteousness, it's, it's often a difficult thing for us to grasp. There's always that temptation to do it on our own. But God says, stay. I'm doing something in your life. And it's a scary proposition, you know. The discipling process of Jesus is not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing to follow the Lord. I might as well tell you that. There's no such thing as easy believism. There's no such thing as easy Christianity because there's that pruning process. God is changing something in the inside and in each and every one of us. And you know what? It is a good thing that he's doing that, you know. After years and years of drinking coffee, let me just tell you this story. Years and years of drinking this coffee, I decided one day that I'm going to whiten my teeth. So I decided to buy these whitening strips. And then I began to, to go through the grueling process of putting that stuff on my mouth three times a day. And it's painful. Not only is it meticulous, not only is it a process that takes time, and not only does it, does it, does it, does it produce pain on, on, on my, my, my teeth, it's just tedious. And after months of doing that, my teeth went from brown to yellow. And I'm still not there, right? But we still go on. We stay. We remain. Because we know that the result is good. Okay? That's the same thing that God is doing. You know, some of you, you've lived a life that is so far away from God, and now you came to faith in Jesus, and now you're experiencing that transformation. You're experiencing that, that regeneration process. And sometimes, you know, you're going to lose heart. Sometimes you're going to think, is this worth it? Stay, abide in me, and let my words abide in you, Jesus says, and you will bear the fruit that I promise you will have. So it's about staying power. It's about hanging in there. And God is going to be faithful. We often sing about the blood of Jesus can wash as white as snow, and it's true. But the process of being washed so that we can be as white as snow is often a very grueling process. Hebrews 12, 4 to 6 says this, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, the pruning process, the cutting off of these things. And do not lose heart when God rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his child. That's a very glorious promise in the Bible. That God, who has begun a good work in you, is still tweaking you and I this morning. Secondly, once our hearts are reformed, we are now ready to be refined. Okay? The second thing about this abiding relationship, abiding presence of Jesus, and our abiding relationship with Him, is that we have this readiness to be refined. And how does he do it? He does it through his word. You know, now when I became a Christian, I didn't know anything about how to live as a Christian. I didn't even know 
what the Bible is. I didn't, I mean, I, I grew up, I was raised in church, but I've never really read the Bible, okay? But then I became a Christian, and at that moment, God was working in my heart as He has worked in your heart, and then you begin to see that hunger. You begin to see that you have an, you have an ear for what Jesus is trying to say, for the Word of God. And so that's, that's the second sign of God's abiding presence. It, it goes from being the heart being reformed to our ears being refined so that we can be transformed in the inside. Look at verses 3 and 4. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you, Jesus says. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus tells his disciples that his word has already made them clean. Now they are ready to be refined. Refinement is the process by which the word of Jesus, the word of Christ, removes the control we have in our life over and hand it over to the control of the Holy Spirit. That's what abiding in Christ and Christ's word abiding in us accomplishes. There's a transfer. There's a, there's a transferring of certain things in our life. And there are three things that happens when we encounter the Word. When the Word begins to refine us, it begins to take control of our life. And what does it begin to control? Three things. Our attachments, our affections, and our authority. Okay? When the Word of Christ begins to take shape in our hearing, okay, what it deals with right away is the area of our attachments, our affections, and our authority. Attachments has to do with our relationships. God begins to take control of our relationship with Him and our relationship with each other and our relationship with the world, okay? Begins to take control of your, how you deal with your marriage relationship, how you deal with your children, and how you deal with the people who are non-believers, how you deal with the people, that, those who follow Jesus and those who don't. He takes control of that. He begins not only to transform our heart and regenerate it, He begins to refine the way we deal with our relationships, with our attachments, okay? Secondly, He deals with the con controlling our affections. Once you become a Christian, there is a transfer of affection that happens. Love for the world gets transferred to the love of God, okay? There's a transfer of affection. The things that we desire in life God now takes over and replaces them with different desires. How many of you, when you became a Christian, you've lost some friends, but God replaced them with some other people? It's all part of the pruning process. God takes control not only of our relationship, but also our affections, the things that we love. Okay? Can I tell you this? I used to love eating a lot. I still do. But now there's that control issue, God that God puts in our hearts, that, that, that mechanism. It's all part of the work of the Holy Spirit, the control mechanism. Our desires are now being conformed to what God desires. And thirdly, authority, the transfer of rule. What rules you in life? What do you regard as power in your life? And what do I regard as power in my life? God takes control. God becomes the authority of our life. He becomes the ruler of our lives. So he takes those three things and he refines our lives by taking control of those three things. And how do we know uh, what stage in the Christian life uh, uh, 
does God do this? Immediately after he takes hold of our hearts. Okay? Why does God want to exert control in our life? Do you ever ask that question? Why is God such a controlling person? He has the right to be controlling because, oh, he's God. Okay? But why does he do it? He does it to honor his own name. I'm going to say it again. God is interested in honoring his name. How does he honor his name? From pagans? From people who don't believe? No. He honors his name through you and I. To those whom he called to be followers of Jesus. Okay? So he does that. He, he, he does it for his own sake. Uh, this is a moment in life when we realize that God has to be honored in my life. I need to hear the word because the word of Christ produces one thing that pleases God. And what does please God? Faith in him. It pleases him because when we have faith, we can honor the name of the Lord. 